We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready for some rapid fire after a hot whiteboard. Let me, you know, let me start with this. Since we've been talking about Sam Hartman, give me, give me something. Give me something that you'll guarantee for Sam Hartman this season. I guarantee that Sam Hartman will win 10 games, at least 10 games um, as the starting quarterback. And I think that he will throw for 3,500 yards or sorry, at least 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns this season. 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns. I like those numbers. I I, I would say. So I'm going to say 10 wins, 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns. Okay. I'll up you. I'll say 35 touchdowns, 3,500 yards. Those two numbers I'm willing to guarantee. The wins, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be right in there with you as well. Um, I will also guarantee he will not throw double-digit interceptions this season. He's done that the last couple – you know, again, a lot of interceptions the last couple of years. I will guarantee he will not be a double-digit interception guy this season. We just lost Jesse there for uh, – <laughs> not sure exactly what happened to him, but hopefully we uh, we see him back here very soon. Jason says 33 touchdowns and he's number two all-time TDs. That's right. I mean, he is, you know, again, you know, like when you look at where this guy is in his career, he's got a chance to to finish right up there with the second most touchdowns of all time in college football history. Now, granted, he gets six years to do it, which, you know, <laughs> other guys haven't had the luxury of doing that before, but yeah, that's, that's something. Thanks for the super chat. Anthony He said tuition for whiteboard class. Liked your whiteboard there. Um, I liked the one from Sam Anderson. If he hits 4,000 yards, I think it means we win a playoff game or two. I like that. I think that's uh if Sam Hartman hits 4,000 yards. There's going to be a deep push into the I mix think, of things. I think if he hits 4,000 yards, then Notre Dame will have won 
two of the three most important games on their schedule. I think if he hits okay. 4,000 yards, because that means he's just torching defenses left and right, because you would expect that against some of the other teams that they're going to be playing, that he will be out early. You know, if he gets out early, you know, like, you know, fourth quarter and Steve Angeli and or Kenny Minchie are in there playing. So I think if he hits 4,000, Notre Dame is uh, is cruising toward a potential college football playoff spot. I think that's a that's. A I good like call. the the latest by Ray Holcraft. Loves me some some ratios. Says that there will be a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. So imagine you get thirty five touchdowns. That means you're at seven interceptions. I like yeah. that ratio. Even I can do that math, and that's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I think the running game that he hasn't had in the past is going to aid in that. I think you kind of take that. For granted, that leads right. to higher percentage type stuff that he is able to hit because of the threat of that running game and the protection he's going to, you know, he was, again, he was sacked a lot at Wake Forest. And that led to some of those interceptions, led to some of those fumbles as well. He's not going to see the same kind of pressure there in the backfield that he had when he was at Wake Forest. So I think that that's going to be a big difference. I think his game is going to be more um like a like a like a surgery this this season like it's going to be way more precise like he's not just going to be asked to go out there and make plays by chucking up the ball like Notre Dame is going to have very specific ways that they're going to want to carve up you know some teams and that's going to be okay well we're going to run the ball here and we know that this is going to open up the pass in this area or you know I, and that's what I mean I just feel like it's going to be much more like surgical for him this season compared to just kind of going out there and maybe playing a little bit more backyard football. Yeah. Josh says if he passes for 4,000 yards, I'd be concerned. That means the running game <laughs> wasn't very good. And, you know, I think that that that's kind of like going back to the Brian Kelly model, you know, it's like, get your lead and then power down. And now you're just running the football. You settle for some three and outs and, and all that kind of stuff you can do both and I've used Caleb Williams and USC as an example they did not have an elite running game last year but they still had a pretty good running game and Caleb Williams had a, a really big passing season you can do both I think you know like USC didn't have what Notre Dame has in the backfield I, I think that with a quarterback like Sam Hartman and the weapons he's going to have that you can do even even if they're not running for like 200 yards per game or you know even 180 yards per game i think at the very least the yards per carry is going to jump up quite a bit it's going to be you know closer to 6 than it is to 5 this year you know that you know, that's what the passing game can do for the running game i think i agree you're shaking your head okay i'm just making sure we're on the same page with that yeah, and uh, Ray says, I don't think Marcus Freeman will operate the same way. And, you know, Jared Parker in there as well. I agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I saw this one on our boards the other day, and I thought that this was an interesting one. I thought that you might get a, a kick out of this especially USC and Michigan are of course two of Notre Dame's top rivals. Is there one player or multiple players from those teams that you could cheer for if it wasn't for your Notre Dame fandom? Start with Michigan. Yeah. So I'm doing one for each because I feel like that's the maximum I could do. Um, Michigan. I am actually a big fan of Blake Corn, but unfortunately he plays for Michigan, I think he is. I mean, he's only five foot eight, two hundred and ten pounds, but he runs very physical. Um, he's a fast runner as well, um, and yeah, I, I actually enjoy watching him play. I think he's a very quality war, uh, running back. I think it's admirable of him to come back this season. You know, like he was uh, the what is it the the the, the Doke or oh, what's Doke the Walker. the award? Yeah, Doke Walker. He running was a finalist for that. He was a unanimous All American. Like he easily could have, you know been a late first round second round running back draft pick and said he decided to come back and again I just admire for his size and frame that he has the speed but he also runs with some with the physicality that he does yeah um not so much on Blake Corum for me you know like I can you know I agree kind of with what you're talking about like the fact that he could have just gone to the NFL but he decided to come back you know we'll see if that turns out to be a good career decision for him you know just as a person I hope it does uh, personally, Michigan was much tougher for me. Oh yeah, same. In USC, <laughs> you know, like I didn't mind Tom Brady early in his career just because of the story, and you know, like when he won that first Super Bowl, and even the first couple, you know, like the Patriots had never been the the Patriots were obviously not then twenty plus years ago what they turned into be with you know Belichick and you know and the the cheating scandals and you know Deflate Gate and you know, Spygate and all this different stuff, you know? So like, I didn't mind Brady earlier on. It got a little bit tougher later on. I actually met Dan Deardorff once at the college football hall of fame when he was enshrined. This has been several years ago as well. Nice guy, you know, but other than that, you know, like I actually interviewed Desmond Howard once several years ago and had a really good time with him during the interview, but this was before his game day days and you know seeing him on game day you know it's it's a little bit tougher sometimes you know to uh 
to pull for him. And especially, you know, like his Packers connection and all that stuff in the NFL. So Michigan was tough. Those are the only two that I could remotely come up with. How about USC for you? Um, so <laughs> I looked at this question as present players. Um, so that's why I picked Blake Corum. I wasn't thinking of, I was thinking of current roster across. Um, yeah. Whenever. Yeah. So that, that changes it for me a little bit. Um, USC wise, I am a big fan of Tyron Smith. So he's up there for me. He's going to be, you know, I almost forgot about Tyron Smith. The fact that, you know, our, our, our Cowboys offensive lineman, <laughs> it's like you overlook the one that's closest, I guess. But yeah, like Tyron Smith is, is going to be a Hall of Fame tackle, mm-hmm. you know, when it's all said and done. So, it, you know, that's that's someone um, I looked at. And then, you know, again, I was thinking more of the current roster. So I was actually going to say Caleb Williams. Um, it just sucks that he plays for USC. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a great person. I think the work ethic is there, like just hearing about his background of, you know, as a kid, knowing he wanted to play quarterback and, and the commitment he took to get to that goal. And then, you know, et cetera, the swagger he plays with. I don't mind the painted fingernails because that that shows that he doesn't give a crap what anyone else thinks. So it's a good, it's a good thing Vince isn't here right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I admire Caleb Williams. It's just, you know, I hate him because he plays for USC. But if he was on Notre Dame, I think he's obviously the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen. So he's up there for me as well. And then a last USC guy uh, being a, you know, a, a linebacker myself, big fans of Clay Matthews um, and junior say as well. Yeah. Junior Seau definitely makes the list. It helps that he played for the chargers, you know, instead of some other team, but he's on there. And it's funny that you said Clay Matthews because Clay Matthews is one of the first ones that came to mind for me, but not the Clay Matthews you're thinking. Oh, his father. His father, Clay Matthews, who I think was actually, it was a little confusing because I think Clay Matthews Sr., like they've had three generations play in the NFL. I'm talking about Clay Matthews, the middle linebacker for the Cleveland Browns in the 70s and 80s. You know, he's he's like that old school you know, middle linebacker, plugger guy. He was a little bit like D.D. Lewis of the Cowboys for me. You know, like that kind of mold, you know, plug plug the middle and pop you hard and all that kind of stuff. Played for some of those Cleveland Browns teams. Played for Marty Schottenheimer and played with Brian Sipe and all those guys in the 70s and 80s. So he was one of my, uh, you know, outside of the, the you know, the Cowboys, you know, again, like D.D. Lewis and whoever it happened to be outside of my Cowboys guys. Clay Matthews, that Clay Matthews with the Cleveland Browns was one of my favorites growing up you know a lot of people liked oj simpson for a long time but obviously that changed <laughs> troy palomalu is up there as well see I, palomalu i couldn't do like ronnie lott i can't do lynn swan i can't do because of the 49ers and steelers i'm sorry i just can't put them up there you know like marcus allen you know like that's uh, he was a running back for the chiefs right well, yeah. Well, before that, though, he was with the Raiders. We helped help the Raiders win a Super Bowl, but then he had a falling out with Al Davis and ended up with the Chiefs. So, like, Marcus Allen, once he left the Raiders and had the spat with Al Davis, it's like, okay, yeah, I can be on the same page with that. But, uh, you know, other, otherwise, it's, you know, it, at least there are some USC guys that I could find to put on the what about list. Carson like Palmer? How do you feel about Carson Palmer? Uh, you know, never – I was – a little ambivalent, I guess, about him. <laughs> you know, just kind of, eh. 
Yeah. Keyshawn Johnson. I kind of like Keyshawn Johnson. Mm. <laughs> mm. I didn't mind him, I guess, when he was with the Buccaneers. You know, I didn't mind him you know, helping the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, he was – I remember him kind of shooting his mouth off about – you know Notre Dame and and stuff like I that. Liked, I liked I liked Reggie back, Bush so. a lot once he got out of football. I didn't really like Reggie Bush the football player, and I think that's just because of the Bush push and then him being touted probably the greatest college running back of all time, and then really ultimately being a bust um, in the NFL. So I liked Reggie Bush post football career more than football career. Good, good, good segue that you've got. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Reggie Bush is reportedly out on Fox's Big Noon Saturday college football show with Mark Ingram set to come in and take his place. Uh, it's saddening to me because, like I said, I started to enjoy Reggie Bush more as a football analyst commentator. And he's one of the few people that I actually liked on the Big Noon kind of kick off the rest of them. I'm, you know, it's like, I, I don't really care too much about, I, I think Reggie was, you know, I, I liked seeing uh, Brady Quinn and Reggie Bush up there together. I think those two were, were pretty cool together. And obviously, you know, it goes back because they played against each other in that, uh, in that Bush push year. But yeah, I really liked Reggie Bush um, on the, on the Fox news crew um, football crew. And I, I think that he's one of the reasons why I could stand it ultimately, because I don't really like the Fox football um, countdown. I don't like big noon football. I don't really like any of it, but Reggie Bush really? was kind of like the, 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 the bright spot of it. That's interesting that, you know, you know, I think it's, I think it's, uh, good that they don't have two USC guys on there anymore. Like, you know, if you were going to have Matt Leinart. Yeah. Brady I Quinn, didn't Reggie like that Bush, connection I think that either. It's like, so for that reason, okay. It's like, now you're bringing in an Alabama guy. So you're going to polarize a little bit, but it's at least good to have, you know, because basically when people see these guys on a college football show, they don't just see these guys. They see, you know, they basically hear Notre Dame talking. They hear USC talking. You know, they hear Alabama talking, whatever. You know, Reggie Bush, you know, could have some fun. I guess it's, you know, like it was a contract thing. You know, to, like last year, I guess they almost got rid of him because he decided that he needed more money. And then, uh, you know, he made the same same move this year and was like, Hey, need more money. And they were like, well, Mark Ingram, here you come. And <laughs> cheap new Mark, guy. <laughs> yeah. And Ingram hasn't even officially retired yet. You know, he I was going to say, was, I didn't even know that Ingram was like done with it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that you don't like the, the big noon kickoff show or the big noon Saturday or whatever, you know, the, yeah, the big noon Saturday, show do like between the two are you uh are you, are you more game day than you are big noon oh i'm a hundred percent um game day i just i'm not you know like rob stone and eh, urban meyer big no reggie bush bright spot matt liner and eh, i think he's kind of uh you know he's what's he, he he's like the desmond howard of, of fox big noon kickoff and then i mean obviously <laughs> i love my guy brady quinn so i just right. felt like you know, Reggie and Brady were my favorite people and losing one of them is not great. And, you know, Rob, Rob Stone's good, but he, it's just like, he's just like the host, you know, like he's the facilitator of kind of, he, he's more so of like, a, if you were hosting a TV show right. and a guy didn't have a ton of football knowledge, that's kind of like, you know, Rob Stone. 
So, so you like you put Reese Davis like head and shoulders football knowledge. Oh yeah, Rob, Rob Stones, really? Well, not like that, but I'm just saying that like Rob Stone comes off as more of a guy who's like hosting like you know like a ABC Dancing with the Stars or like you know like a, a, a the Bachelor show or something like that. Just a guy who is um, kind of transplanted across the network, essentially. Yeah. Ray is Ray says he's right there with you. Sam uh, likes Brady Quinn. I mean, I think a lot of people like Brady Quinn, right? Like, like Tim says that college game day is the classic and bringing in McAfee, you know, McAfee is the game changer for all this. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, that, that was a big move, I think for game day. Now it's going to change a little bit. I guess uh bear is, is gone. He's off to Fox now. So he's doing something. Dang, I didn't know different. that. I loved bear. Yeah. So he's gone. So it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you know, wow, I do. Bear like, was there for a long time. He was, he was, you know, I, I, you know, and again, based on who they're talking about and what they're saying, people are going to, you know, take some issue with, you know, what they say, you know, all that different kind of stuff. I, I feel like in general, game day has a little bit more fun than the Fox guys. You know, maybe having Urban Meyer there kind of kills the joy out of the whole thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, I feel like McAfee is gonna... I be pregame. You know, that's the way to go. I feel like McAfee is like the Lee Corso in training. Like he's like the kind of crazy off the wall. We'll put on, you know, like the mascot heads down the road or like an equivalent of, you know, something like that. I just feel like mm-hmm. he's kind of like the, the Lee Corso in training, essentially. Yep. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Memphis is the latest school. The Big 12 reportedly has its sights set on. Uh, it's exciting that that uh, Memphis is being considered for the Big 12 because I think that they they translate across the two biggest sports that the Big 12 is competitive in or, you know, a, a part of the Power Five, and that's men's basketball and college football. I, I think that Memphis has been better in college football, and I think that they would challenge a lot of those Big 12 schools. I think that they could hold their ground. And I think what Memphis is most known for at the moment is their basketball program. And I think if you can add them to a really good basketball conference in general, you know, to me, I would consider the Big 12 probably the best consistently – or the consistently best college basketball conference in the men's side year in and year out. And so if you can add another good quality team, I think it's a test – to both the you know to their to their basketball program, can they take that next step and fit in in, in the Big Twelve? And I think that they can do enough to challenge and and obvious and maybe even kind of be atop the football landscape in, in the Big Twelve in you know a relatively short amount of time. Because I think if you make that leap, it's going to uh, uh, attract more recruits to the football stage at the University of Memphis. I, I, it, it does feel a little bit like the Big 12 strategy is just like to gobble up a bunch of these, you know, they're mid-major like bubble teams, basically. Yeah, like gobble, you know, they they are trying to get better from a basketball standpoint. There's still the talk about Gonzaga out there, whether or not Gonzaga would join the Big 12, and that obviously does not come with football. There's been the recent talk about UConn, and that would obviously be a basketball move. It would not be a football move. As I've said before, I think that that 
UConn should just go back to the FCS level and give up on trying to be a big time college football program, but it's yeah, hard to go backwards. I think Connecticut could do it in every, every sport, but football. And yeah. I, like you said, I just think they need to cut it out. If, they, if their plan is to join a power five then they need to cut football, it, that's my overall opinion. Yeah. But I agree with a lot of what you're talking about with Memphis. They, they at least have an FBS level football team it's where norvell was you know before he went to florida state and uh, you know now you know they're they're talking about him joining the big 12 and they would definitely bring some you know memphis and kansas what's that i guess it's been 15 years but they played in a national championship game in basketball against each other you know so you, you would definitely get a lot more out of the basketball side but at least they have football as well Memphis is an interesting market because it's Tennessee, but it obviously doesn't have the brand of like the Tennessee volunteers, but the football program, probably because it's not in the SEC, has at least been more competitive year in and year out than Vanderbilt, you know, which is in the SEC, but they, you know, they're, they're kind of that Tennessee outpost over there sitting there, you know, on, on the border with Arkansas, uh, you know, so, but again, you know, unlike UConn, they're they're much more close in proximity to Big 12 territory. So yeah. it's, it's it's much more doable. So I think it makes some sense on some different levels, but it does, you know, again, it, it like feels like Big 12, let's let's grab up a bunch of these, you know, kind of mids and and bring them in and and try to build this thing up. It, it's at least your mark has a plan, you know, where they're looking at expanding. They're not they're not, you know, other than, you know, they're going to lose the two flagship programs, Texas and Oklahoma, but they're at least still trying to bring some teams in and keep the thing together and not just let it all unravel and go away. Yeah, and in comparison to the last team we talked about, Connecticut, I think that the gap between Connecticut and Memphis basketball is small, much smaller than the gap between Memphis and Connecticut football. And so I think that Memphis – as an overall makes more sense than Connecticut for that reason, because, you know, Memphis basketball, obviously it's not as, you know, great as Connecticut basketball, but I think that gap is much smaller than Memphis football and Connecticut football. So overall Memphis makes a better sense in terms of all sports. Yeah. So we continue to predict the records of different college football teams throughout this summer. Today it is Penn state, which has a Vegas over under, of nine and a half wins this season. Here is the Penn State schedule. They start off with West Virginia, then it's Delaware, at Illinois, Iowa, at Northwestern, UMass, at Ohio State, Indiana, at Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, and then they finish off at Michigan State. So the over-under is nine and a half. Will they get to 10 wins this season, Jess? They most definitely will not get Ooh, okay. to ten wins this season. Um, so I have them on the the I have them teetering between eight and nine wins actually. Um, in the regular season, if we're not if we're not counting a bowl game, I think that they definitely don't get it. Uh, with a bowl game, they might hit that ten win mark. But in the regular season, I have them at eight and four or nine and three. So if we want to kind of go down the schedule and really? see where we agree or disagree. All right, so we start with West Virginia, and it's interesting. They used to play West Virginia all the time up until 1992, but then they joined the Big Ten in 1993, haven't played them since. 
So this is going to be the first meeting between Penn State and West Virginia in three decades. Do you have the Nittany Lions beating the Mountaineers in the opener? I do. I do have them winning the, the okay. opener against West Virginia. Same. So we're good there. Delaware, can we count that as a W? <laughs> yes, we can. Okay. Delaware, interestingly, playing both Penn State and Michigan, I believe it is, this year, taking some paychecks. At Illinois, this is a little bit of an interesting one here. Right? Yeah, so um, I have them – I have them winning against Illinois, but we'll we'll see after that. Yeah, I've got them winning against Illinois as well. But again, I don't think it'll necessarily be a walkover. How about Iowa the next week? I have them losing to Iowa, and I think Ooh. that I think that it, it, they'll if they don't beat Iowa, then they'll they won't be like they're going to split between Illinois and Iowa. But I feel like that Iowa stands a better chance. So that's I'm going to they're going to take their first loss to Iowa. Iowa's a hard team, always consistent, and I think they're going to be better than what they were last year. And I mean, yeah, I mean, well, that would be hard not to, considering the just miserable offense they had last year, but that's <laughs> going to be the biggest question. They're going to play good defense. Question is still going to be, can they score enough points, especially early on? What are they going to look like? That'll be what, game four? Following up Illinois, yeah, that could be a little bit of a sneaker, but I've got them winning that game as well. Then they go to Northwestern. Have that as a win. Me too. UMass. Have that as a win. At Ohio State. That's another loss. <laughs> yeah, take it as a loss. You know, they, that's still a game that uh, that they haven't won. How about Indiana? I put another loss in there. A sneaky loss to Indiana. Indiana, Indiana sneaks. Indiana is one of those teams that, like, beats one or two Big Ten teams per year that they, that they shouldn't. There's always a – Indiana always finds a way to upset someone. That's true, but I don't think it'll be Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They beat Maryland 30 to nothing last year. They're at Maryland this year. Do they win that game? They do win that one. I agree. Michigan? Another loss. <laughs> see, I just, I don't think that they, see. Oh, yeah, okay, you've got a loss. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah, they'll lose to Michigan. Rutgers? That's a win at Michigan state. And that's a win. Yeah. So my two definite losses are Michigan, Ohio state. Um, and then I think they lose the combination of Illinois, Iowa, and Indiana, potentially there's going to be a loss between those three teams. And so I think that puts you at either nine and three or eight and four. Yeah. And Ohio state, Michigan, I think are definite losses. <sighs> You know, like I said, the Illinois is the one that intrigues me the most. At Illinois, week. after you know potentially starting the season two and zero, first yeah. first road game. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my gut. I'm gonna say they only lose to Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, yeah, but that's what's so win. boring about the freaking Big Ten every year. It's the same thing that Penn State loses to the same teams, Michigan and Ohio State lose to the well, same teams, and then that'll change next year, though, right? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> USC and UCLA coming in. Tim wants to know if I'm wearing an Oilers shirt, Edmonton or Houston, and then asked. Someone answered, yes, it is. Do you even know what the Edmonton Oilers are? 
Yes, I know what the Edmonton Oilers are. It's a hockey team. <laughs> just making team. sense. You're making sure. <laughs> this is see, I, I, I feel like you know. Again, the Houston Oilers are no longer a team, and it's retro. So I feel like I can get away with that, right? As a Dallas Cowboys fan, like I can get away with a retro when it's no longer a team. They're the Tennessee Titans now. So I like the I like the powder blue. I like the oil rig. You know, the oil Derek. I always like the logo. So. Yeah, you don't gotta don't convince know. me. You're you're talking to a guy that has like almost every MLB team for a hat. So Bum Phillips, baby. Bum Phillips, the man with the hat, Earl Campbell. Like you could get behind that back in the day. Kenny Stabler, Dan Pastorini, back in those old Euler days. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's an here's this one. <laughs> I saw this over the weekend. So you're you're a little league baseball coach, of course. So I'm really curious to see what you think about this. Yes, for the fans out there, there's another hat that I wear. I am a, a little league baseball coach, <laughs> seven to nine year old co-ed baseball. So I saw something over the weekend about this little league baseball dad who got so bored at his kids' baseball games because of all the walks in the medium to low level, you know, play, he decided to start a little betting ring with other dads during games. They bet on things like who's going to win the game, number of strikeouts in a game, over-unders on errors in the game, and so on and so on. So I guess it's turned into such a popular thing. The reason it, it was making the rounds on uh, on the old interwebs is this guy is now looking for ways you know, to, to track the bets, you know, like a website. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on dads betting on little league games in the stands while their kids are playing? I think that dads betting on little league baseball is true degeneracy at that point. I think that that is the lowest of the low. And if that's what you have to do to pass time at your kid's baseball game, then I think you got you know, you, you got more issues. I, I think at that age, I mean, what, what do you expect? It's you're, they're not, it's, it's little league for a reason. They're still learning, developing, etc. So, you know, obviously errors can be expected. Um, strikeouts can be expected and a lot of runs can be expected because not great defense and errors. Right. So I, I just think that you should be more, you know, concerned or, or locked in on, you know, how you can support your kid and things, ways that you can maybe help your kid not strike out as much or maybe not, you know, uh, help them not commit yeah. as so many errors. I Be think a that dad and the priorities help your kids get better at baseball. And not right. I think the priorities are way, be. way off. And I think if you want to bet, there's obviously ample opportunities with all the other other sports out there in the world. Like how surely – if this is as widespread as this guy makes it sound, you know, that he needs, you know, he's looking for web, you know, like 
the the fact that he's trying to find out other websites that track my bets on little league games you know it's like do you really want to put this on the internet and you know have a you know have a a a, a record of the fact that you were betting on little league games it, it's it's it takes no skill either that's the thing i know i know it is lowest of the low you know like you said why you know why isn't he actually doing dad stuff and trying to help his kid get better rather than, you know, but like surely the little league, you know, again, like if this is going on in the stands, the way he says it is surely the league, you know, has got some kind of wind of this. Like, would you, how can you let this go on in your stands? If you're the league, right? Right. And I like John's idea instead of sports betting, just bring a cooler or something and have a couple beers. Like if that's what you got to do. Well, I don't know if the league would be that much more keen on that, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just, it's just insane, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, if this kind of goes to the, the, you know, the sports gambling legalization and all that stuff and the different apps are available. And so people are just addicted to it now, or if it's just an ADD world where, you know, you can't focus on your kid's game for one hour. That's you what I mean. It's just like... yourself, you know, like, come on. <laughs> they're not that long. No, they're not. Literally. It's like most of them have about an hour time limit when they're that age. I think yep, they, mine go about an hour and 15. If we're, we're supposed to play an hour and a half, but Right. We never we get caught up in not wanting to start another inning unless both teams can play and da 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 da. You know, I I, I coach with a lot of other not great coaches in my league. <laughs> you said other not great coaches. Does that mean you fit into the not no. great coaches? No, okay. I'm not saying I'm great, but I'm at least better than what the rest of the league's got going on. Okay, all right, all right. Fill in the blank. Denver Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles spoke out on his quarterback, Russell Wilson's defense recently. Bull says he was angry with the criticism that Wilson got last year and that he's ready for that stuff to go away. And when it goes, everyone's going to be eating crow. And all this is blank. All of this sounds great, but I... Listen, until Russell Wilson... Um, comes out there and, and shows us the old Russell Wilson and the ability to just make simple passes again, I'm going to sit there and talk all the crap about Russell Wilson that I want because he got paid a lot of money and he got, he made a big deal that he got paid a lot of money and that he was starting at a new team and you know, all of the advertisements and the memes and everything like the man only set him up on a stage where he needed to perform. And rather than just being average, he was very well below average. So to me, I, I like I get I, it's great that, you know, Bowles is defending his quarterback. But I mean, that's literally what he gets paid to do figuratively um, and, you know, on the field as well. So it's it's um, I just it's it's all fine and dandy, but it's got to be proven to me before uh, Russell Wilson gets off my hook. Yeah. And I mean, any criticism that Russell Wilson got last year was completely warranted. You know, it's it's not like. It's not like Russell Wilson had a pretty good year and people were just dogging him. He got dogged because he stunk last year. And after the whole thing, you know, with the trade with the Seahawks, the Seahawks got the better end of the deal out of that, obviously, because based on what the Broncos got in Russell Wilson last year, 
it was, you know, like the, the, the Seahawks basically stole draft picks away from him, you know, and he was becoming the diva in Seattle and, you know, wanted out a year earlier and, and finally got his way out. So like, no one's going to be eating any crow, you know, like if Russell Wilson actually has a good year this year, then, then great for Russell Wilson, but any criticism that he got last year was completely warranted. So no one's going to be eating crow. It's just like, okay, you finally did your job. If he has a good season this year, he finally did his job. And, you know, and I get it. He's a teammate sticking up for his guy and all that kind of stuff. But anything, anything that was directed at Russell Wilson last year was completely earned by uh, the bad play that he played with. Last yeah. Year. And I mean, he got paid to be, you know, the leader of that offense. And like Iris Shytown said, they had a good defense. They just needed to be a competent average offense. And I guarantee they would have had a, a legit shot at the playoffs. So, I mean, the fact that he couldn't even do that, he deserves everything that came to him. And I, I don't feel bad about any of it. Yeah. And like Anthony said, if he has a great year, isn't that what they paid him money for? <laughs> yes, exactly. And look, they brought Sean Payton out of retirement. So, it's it's on now. It's kind of do or die now. I feel yeah. like for Denver, you know, how yep. many how many excuses can they go through? Yep. Derek wants to know how your team's doing, Jess. Um, we are unofficially officially two and zero. I say unofficially because we don't have we don't we don't track score. Um, but my kids always track score, and we talk about score once the game is over. Um, my team is probably the best hitting team in the league. If, if we're being honest, I had um, a very, what's the word? I, I go against this lady coach. Uh, it's my second <laughs> year now, and she is not the greatest, but she gave me a very good compliment finally that my kids are very good hitters. Um, and I i am i mean, I'm out there. I've, I've told this to you before. I'm out there as close to the pitcher's mound um, as possible compared to the other coaches. I'm actually going through an authentic pitching motion. And a lot of these coaches throwing hard to some of them. Yeah. Like I I'm throwing line, you know, actual line fastballs, right? Like I'm, I'm giving them good pitches and I have other coaches out there just kind of throwing lollipops shot, putting the ball up there. So I try to run my team um, the most, um, the the best way that's going to translate to the next age group. And I think a lot of the coaches don't do that. So I feel like I do the most to prepare my players and my team is definitely the best hitting team in the league. And that's, that's what I pride myself in because I, I was a, a pretty good hitter myself. Right. And, uh, you know, what you were saying about the other coach, um, she's one of those, doesn't just coach her team, but she wants to coach your team during the game. Yeah, she well, wants to try to tell me how is, to coach my team, which even is the most it's performing better of, than her team. Right. Right. And this last week, uh, she got caught yelling at one of my players, and I told her that that was pretty unacceptable. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe wants to know the name of your league. It's called Near West Little League. So, it's just a bunch of uh, kind of like inner city kids in the neighborhood um, that I live in, and they put a league together and we all, we all play. We have like, uh, I think, like, I want to say like six or seven kind of teams uh, within the age group in Cleveland. But in Cleveland, yeah, yes. correct. Sorry. In the land, that's right, that's right. Yeah, seven and nine year olds. We got out there and watched some of them last year. They were, uh, you know, they were they were pretty good, uh, pretty good, spunky little hitting team. I was gonna say that's last year. You should, uh, you, you guys have to make it out this year. I feel like we've taken a, a leap forward this year. 
Here's the question. It, um, no, Joe, it's it's not uh, official. It's basically like city league type stuff, right? Right. You know, like more city. Like we don't. They don't league. qualify for like yeah. the Little League World Series or anything like that. Right. Right. Which is, you know, it's like it's like bigger city type baseball. But you guys have a how many how many teams do you have in your league? Like six or eight or something like. Yeah, that? I'd say between six and eight. And there's a that's just co-ed. There's T-ball below us, and then there's a, um, you know, like a, a normal 10 to 12 kind of like major league level above us as well. Yep. Yeah, I remember back in the day, you were talking about the no score, you know, you when when you were playing at that age and I was coaching your team, you know, like they did the no score stuff back then as well, and that was through official Little League. And, you know, I get it, you know, not not wanting them to get, you know, too caught up in in the whole thing at that point, but you're absolutely right. What you just said, it's like all the kids keep score in their heads. Anyway, they all know. Oh yeah. And they're not, they won't lie to me because we'll be going into like the last inning and they're just like freaking out because we're losing and they're, they're putting the pressure on themselves that they need to get hits and et cetera. And they know. (laughs) Yep. And it's funny because they're the ones that you're trying to hide it from, right? Because you're trying to make it not about the competitiveness and just growing as a player and having fun. But all of those things can coincide together. <laughs> I, I agree with that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is going to do it for today. I didn't I didn't realize Derek was uh, so accomplished. Winning pitcher in the World Series for the Midwest team. He's only dated himself with that date right there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that puts him at, what, we're in 2023, so six. Uh, that, that puts him at, like, at least – Probably, you know, close to that 40 mark, I think, is what he's coming up on. Yeah, he's got to be right right there around uh, the Vincenzo age, maybe even <laughs> a little bit older than Vincenzo. All right, don't forget, again, we've got Kevin Corrigan, National Championship Notre Dame lacrosse coach. He'll be on Thursday's show. Micah Shrewsbury is going to be on with us next week as well. So glad we're able to get some of these Notre Dame coaches these last couple of weeks and uh, get a lot of their insight looking forward to talking to these next couple coaches after talking to neil ivy last week jess enjoyed it as always hopefully the rain cooperates enough that you're able to get out there at some point practice and hope <laughs> i don't think so i think we're gonna be free balling with no practice going into our game this weekend <laughs> that's right all right vince and i will be here tomorrow shout out mike renfro yeah oilers we will talk to you tomorrow on ivy nation sports talk